That puts us back into uh, November. We've been doing as our annual theme uh, this picture of hope starts here. And this morning we're going to talk about hope in the wilderness. One of the things that I think is interesting to consider about Israel's history is what God did with them when he brought them out of Egypt. Because uh, what he does with them is certainly uh, unusual at best and strange at, at worst in the, the way that God led his people. Uh, when you look at a map of, of what God did with them, it, it is the perhaps one of the most indirect routes you could have ever taken to try to get to the land of Canaan. Why not just hug the water right there? You were up there near the top anyway. Just just follow along that great sea, that Mediterranean Sea, and you'll be in Canaan in no time. In fact, they so go the wrong direction, you might remember that the Egyptians think they're lost. Let's go get them back. We're going to haul them back in because they don't know where they're going. They're going the wrong way, and they've pinned themselves in the middle of the desert. Here's the big question. Why did God do that? Why did God take them the long way? Why doesn't he take them in what seems to be an easier path and certainly a shorter path? Why take them into the wilderness in this way? And Moses has an answer for that. And that's our text in Deuteronomy chapter 8. But the answer that Moses gives in regards to Israel and why God led them in that direction and why he took them on a difficult path and a longer journey is the same answer for us as we go through the wilderness on our way to the promised land. You'll notice that Moses gives his answer in verse 2 as to why God led Israel through the wilderness. And verse 2 has three explanations that he gives. You'll notice in verse 2 that Moses tells them in Deuteronomy 8 verse 2, you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you. First reason God says, here's why God went the long way. Here's why he took you in the wilderness a long path rather than a shorter path. Here's why this had to happen. Because God needed to humble his people. And I think that's interesting that God is pictured as allowing us to go through difficulties and hardships and suffering with a purpose So that we would be humbled. And it's something that you see God teaching us all the time is that humility is something that is required for us for spiritual success. Jesus, as he opens the Sermon on the Mount, who are going to be the inhabitants of the kingdom of God is first thing he says is those who are poor in spirit, those who are Humble, the poor in spirit, they are the ones who are going to enter the kingdom of God. And God is doing something here with Israel as he brings them into the wilderness with the very purpose is to humble them. And unfortunately, prosperity and victory do not generate humility. (laughs) I think you're aware of that when you think about it. Victory, success, Prosperity, power does not generate humility. 
it usually generates arrogance. It says, look at me. Look at what I've accomplished. Look at what I've achieved. And God says, before I could let you go into the promised land, I needed to teach you humility. That humility comes through hardship and it comes through loss. Because only in the wilderness do we begin to shift our self-reliance into a dependence upon God. It is only in the times that are hard and suffering and painful and difficult that we begin to realize I can't depend upon me. I can't get myself through this. I can't rescue myself. I need someone else. And prosperity says, hey, look at me. I'm doing great. I don't need anybody. But it's in difficulty that we go, I need help. I can't rely upon myself. And God's intent is that we would humble ourselves to such a point that we would look to God. And that was the point of the wilderness. God says through Moses, I brought you into the wilderness so that you would have the wisdom and the understanding to not look to yourself, but to look to God. You're in the middle of nowhere in the wilderness. You're going to be there a long time. How are you going to take care of yourself? You're going to humble yourself and depend upon God. That's the first answer that he gives. You'll notice he continues. He says that in these 40 years in the wilderness, verse 2, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart. God says, I brought you the long way into the wilderness because I wanted to reveal what was inside of you. I wanted to reveal your heart, which again is another truth that we find out about ourselves is that suffering reveals what's inside of us. When you are put to the test, when the pressure is on, when things are hard, when your back is against the wall, that's when what's inside really comes out. That's when you really see the true character of a person. When things are going great, you can hold that facade up all day long. Oh yeah, I'm awesome, doing great, no problem. I'm prosperous, I'm successful, I'm doing great. But when it's tough, When the screws are put to you, that's when what's inside really comes out. And that's what God is saying here, is that I put you in the wilderness to see what was in your heart, to reveal what was in you. I wanted to see how you were in regards to me, if your faith was real, if you truly believed in me or not. Trials put who we are on display. And I know you know that because how many times have you been amazed by the faith of someone else who has gone through something really difficult and you were encouraged by that? You saw the screws put to them and you're like, man, that, wow, that great faith was displayed there. You see their character come out when things were hard. And God says, I'm putting you in the wilderness for a purpose. I'm putting you there so that I can humble you. And I'm putting you there so that we can reveal what's inside. Hardships are needed so that God can see what is inside of us. And then notice how he finishes the sentence at the end of verse 2. Whether you would keep his commandments or not. Whether we would keep his commandments or not. Again, it's often easier to obey God when everything is going well. But sometimes our first reaction to difficulty is to put God on the back burner. He's going to sit over here for a while. 
And I'm going to take care of my stuff. And I'm going to deal with my problems. And I'm going to get through this. And when I get it all figured out and I get my life all together and I sort it all out, then I'll come back to God. And here's God said, I wanted to see something. I wanted to see that while you were in the wilderness and while your life was difficult and you were going through the hardships, if you would still obey me or not. And that's what a trial is always doing. A trial is always asking us this question. Are you still going to obey God? Even though it's hard, are you still going to obey God? You remember that came up in the first two chapters of Job. What does Job's wife say? What's the point of all your suffering? Curse God and die. The whole dialogue between Satan and God is Job will not worship you or obey you anymore if you make things hard. And so here is God testing Israel to see, will you still obey me when things are hard? It's easy to obey when things are easy, but will you obey when things are hard? And so many will stop obeying God in the midst of suffering. And God is saying, you can't stop obeying me when it's hard. God is going to make it difficult. It's going to be hard. You're going to be led into the wilderness and there's going to be challenges and suffering and problems. But he's doing that to see if you will still obey him. He's doing it to see what's inside of you. He's doing it to humble you. These three reasons are put forward by God. And I want you to notice that God even pushes this point even stronger in verse three. Look at what he says in verse three. And he humbled you. And here's where I want you to really underscore. It says, and he humbled you and let you hunger. You know, sometimes we almost have a visualization that when Israel was in the wilderness, well, you know, there's just not food in the wilderness. And so you could go days and you could go weeks and it just kind of, you're just kind of hoping to, stumble across some food here or there. And God goes, that's not what happened. God did not put them into the wilderness under this kind of pretense that, well, you know, we'll see what we can find along the way, but maybe it'll be worth it. He let you hunger. He made that happen. And by the way, please remember, he didn't let them hunger for a day or two or three, or seven, or 14, or 21. Remember, it pushed to a month. And notice that God says, it wasn't that, well, for 29 days, we couldn't find something. (laughs) It wasn't an accident. God put them in the wilderness, and he let them hunger. The difficulties were not an accident. It wasn't just a whoops. God could have done something at any time. If you think about the sequence of those things, when God let them thirst and God let them hunger, the first moment they were thirsty, we could have had Moses and the rock and the whole thing and do it right on day one. Why wait three days? When it came to their hunger, God could have had manna come down on day one. Why wait 30 days? To humble you, to see what was in your heart, and to see if you would obey. That's what God is saying is it wasn't by accident. The trials were purposeful. The trials had intention. It was God trying to see what was in their hearts and to test them. And remember, that was also in the book of Job. 
is here is God leading Job into this great suffering to see what he would do to test his endurance. And now why would God do that? You'll notice the rest of verse three. He lets you hunger and fed you with men in which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Have you ever read that and been puzzled by that statement? I want you to know that humans don't live on food alone. Hmm. (laughs) Well, actually, um, without food and water, we are not going to live. I don't know what you're saying here, Moses, but you seem to not understand science and how the body works. But people live on food you ever thought about God saying that? And for Jesus in the wilderness while he's starving to then quote this and say, hey, by the way, even though I'm really, really hungry, I don't live on food alone. And you read them and go, what? Uh, yeah, you do. What is meant by that? The big picture is the idea of life being dependent upon the word of God. Now, that sounds strange. How can Moses, by the power of God, be telling Israel, I let you hunger so that you would understand that you don't live by eating, but you live by the word of God. And then Jesus comes along and says, yep, that's right. I'm going to prove that in the wilderness and do the exact same thing. What's the message? What's the point that he's getting at? Here's the point for Israel's history. Israel's life was not going to be dependent upon them being the ultimate survivor. Here I thought about that. I'm going to drop, you know, we like to do this for our TV shows now. Let's drop people in the wilderness and see what happens. Let's see if they can survive or not. We'll give them a, a sap phone just in case they're about to die. They can get out of there. But let's just see if we drop them in the middle of nowhere, what's going to happen? And let's just see if they can survive. Israel was not put in the wilderness to be the ultimate survivor and see, well, if you can, you know, make leaves catch water. And if we can figure out how to eat strange berries and other strange stuff in the wilderness, then we'll live. God says that wasn't going to be how it was. God is saying, I was going to show that you were going to live by my word. What does he mean by that? How is it that God's word was how Israel would live? Here's how. God had come through Moses and he told Israel, you are going to leave this land and I am taking you to the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. God said... His words that they would survive the wilderness. God did not say, I'm going to take you out of Egypt and let you die in the wilderness. Now, remember, all the people thought that many times. 
Moses, you brought us out here to die. We need to go back. Let's stone Moses. Let's stone Aaron. Let's go back. These guys have got it all wrong. And here's what God is saying. God is saying, that wasn't how you were going to survive. The reason you know you were going to survive in the wilderness is because I said we were going to the promised land. And I was teaching you in the middle of the wilderness and let you hunger and let you thirst so that you would depend upon my words rather than you being the ultimate survivor and finding water and finding food. And that was Jesus point. The promise of the Messiah was not to leave heaven, come to earth and die in the wilderness. Jesus knew There was no way he's going to die there of hunger. Why? Because God had said that he would lay down his life on a cross and take it up and not die in a wilderness. That's the point Jesus is making. We live based on what God says, not we live based on what our hands can accomplish. And Moses says, That's what I want you to know, is that your hope is not in what you can do, but your hope is in what God can do for you. But I have to put you in the wilderness to learn that. You have to go through hardships and difficulty and suffering. You have to become dependent upon God and no longer be self-reliant to see it. I brought you into the wilderness and let you hunger so that you would learn it wasn't going to be by your power and your wisdom and your intelligence and your planning and your survivor skills or any of that. I put you there for all that time so that you would see the reason you live is because God said so. And that's it. And notice God proves that in verse 4. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your feet did not swell for those 40 years. You ever thought about that? 40 years, and the clothes lasted. They just went to the nearest mall, you know, and bought new clothes every year while they were in the wilderness. You ever think about that? They're just spinning around in circles out there. How are their shoes doing? How are their clothes doing? Just fine. God was trying to prove something. He's trying to show them something. And he wanted to prove to Israel that you can trust him. I'm going to take care of you. You just have to depend upon my words. If I say I'm going to take care of you, then that's enough. And he says, look at the clothes. Look how it worked out. Here they are in Deuteronomy. Now, they're about to enter the promised land. These are Moses' final sermons to the people. He's asking them to look backward and go, Think about how God got you through that. Did you eat? Yep. Did you drink? Yep. Clothes still working? Yep. Shoes still on? Yep. Feet swelling? Nope. How? Because God said so. That's how. Not because you walked in a really smart way. Not because you're really careful with your clothes so they wouldn't wear out. Not because you did some special things out there. Because God said so. That's what Moses is trying to get them to understand. For a moment right now, would you just think back in your life and consider how many times God has been faithful to you in the wilderness? 
How many times has God got you through? How many times when you thought there's no way, there was a way? How many times when you thought there's no light, later there became light? How many times has God carried you through difficulties, helped you through suffering and pain? How many times has God carried us through those past difficulties? Here is Moses standing on the other side of one of them and saying, do you see how God took care of you? And it wasn't because of you. It's because of God. God did it. God said he'd be faithful. God said he would take care of you. God said he wouldn't forsake you. And he showed it. That's what it means that people don't live on food alone, but by the word of God. We go, no, they live on food. God's in charge of that. God's in charge of that. And God's here telling them, I let it take 30 days till I decided to bring manna down. I would have been the guy going, why didn't you do this 29 days ago? (laughs) And God goes, because I had to test you. And to see what's inside of you. And to see if you trust me or not. And to see what was in that heart. You needed to be humbled. I needed you to depend upon me. I had to do that to see if you would rest on me. Because you need to understand that all of life is only because God says so. Not because we're ultimate survivor in this world. Not because of what you think you've achieved or what you've accomplished or what you've done. It's only because God says so. And notice then he says, so here's what I want you to do about all that. Verse five, know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Here's what I want you to know then when you're in the wilderness. Big teaching point about this. When it's hard, when it's difficult, when it's trials, here's what you need to know. God's disciplining you. Now, take a step back. So often, when we hear discipline, our first knee-jerk reaction to discipline is corporal punishment for doing something wrong. That's not what these words mean. We so often, you read discipline and go, that means I did something wrong and God is punishing me. It's not the exclusive meaning of that word. Discipline is all about teaching, direction, and instruction. And sometimes that includes a direction that requires that negative. But that's not always it. Is the only way you teach your kids is only through negative consequence? I sure hope not. (laughs) I sure hope not. Nobody disciplines their children, instructs their children only in that way. When God says, I'm disciplining you, he's saying, I'm giving you direction. I did this so that I could teach you and instruct you. This is what he's getting back in verse 2 and saying, I'm humbling you and revealing what's in your heart. I'm transforming you because God teaches in the difficulties. We are the most moldable to God in our difficulties and in our suffering, not in our prosperity. We're just not ready to listen to God when we're doing well. I wish we were. I wish we could just be taught when we're just doing great. We just don't. That's the human condition. We listen to God's teaching in the hardships. And so God teaches us in our difficulties. That's what James was saying. 
He says our trials should be counted as joy because they're ultimately producing endurance within us. Peter comes along and says likewise that your faith is being refined in the suffering to be proven genuine to the praise of God's glory. That it is through suffering that God teaches, instructs, disciplines, corrects, veers us on the right track. And so that is what Moses says here. I want you to know that what God is doing is what a father does lovingly to the child. Direction, instruction, correction, guidance. I'm doing that through the difficulties to make you what he wants you to be. And so what's the big conclusion then? Look at verse 6. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. The big thing God wants when you're in the wilderness, and wilderness is all of this time in our life as we are on our way to the promised land of eternity, is that God is saying, I want you to keep my commands. I want you to walk in my ways. I want you to fear him. Well, here's the why. Why, why, why should we keep your commands? Notice what he does there in verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of waters and fountains of springs flowing out of valleys and hills. Verse 8, a land of wheat and barley, of vines, fig trees, pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you were to eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land in whose stones are iron, out of whose hills you can dig copper, and you shall eat and be satisfied, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. Why should you obey God and keep his commands in the wilderness? Because he's taking you there. You're on the way to the promised land. I know it's hard. I know it's the wilderness. I know it's difficult. I know it's painful. But you're on the way to the wilderness. But here's the good news. By him saying, I want you to obey my commands, verse 7, because I'm bringing you into a good land, reminds us of something really important. The wilderness is temporary. This will not last forever. It will not always be like this. As hard as it gets, the time we have is limited. We're on the way to the promised land. This time is short. There's something better ahead. You might remember, that's what the Apostle Paul said too. When he talks about, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing for the glory that's to be revealed to us. Notice implied in that is, why are the sufferings not worthy of being compared? One, this is temporary. That's eternal. And the pain and the difficulty here can't even be close to measured to the quality of what eternity and the blessings are going to be like. And so even Paul in the New Testament made the very same point. All right, let's bring this idea home then because I think it's important to see. Number one, we need the wilderness. But there is something that is important for us to keep our eyes open to while we are in the wilderness. 
The Apostle Paul comes along in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and he makes an important observation about Israel while they were in the wilderness. And he says they failed. And he warns them in those 13 verses, I don't want you to fall like they did. And there are two things that he really zeroes in on in that text where he says, here's what happened to them while they were in the wilderness that caused them to fail. Number one, in verse six, he says they desired evil. I want to think about that for a minute. It is very easy when things get hard and trials get tough. To want to sin as the relief to the pain. It's easy to want to desire evil when things get hard. And he says that's what Israel did. Is that when they desired evil, they indulged in their flesh because things were hard. They wanted to mute their pain because the things that they were going through were difficult. And I want us to see that God is reminding us to not do that because that's the path to failure. Great things lie ahead. And while you're in the wilderness, don't desire evil. It's not worth it. It's not going to satisfy. So I love the wording here of Deuteronomy 8. I'm going to take you to where you will be satisfied, where you will be full where you will have the blessings of God and you will find that contentment and joy. It's not right now. Don't desire evil. You're not going to find it here. It's not going to satisfy. That's what the writer of Ecclesiastes was saying. So don't turn to sin. Turn to God. When things get hard, God is trying to reveal what's in our hearts. If we turn to sin, we're revealing that we don't trust him. I'm going to just do what I need to do to get through the pain, to try to just endure the difficulty. And so I run to sin rather than running to God. You might remember the other thing Israel did in the wilderness that the apostle Paul puts his finger on. They desired evil and they complained. They desired evil and they complained. And how many times do we study that text And we read about Israel being set free from their slavery, set free from their oppression, and they're going to the promised land and they're complaining along the way. And we read it and go, how can you be complaining along the way? What are you doing? Don't you remember the pain and the suffering and the anguish of Egypt? Don't you remember what they were doing to your children? Don't you remember how oppressive they were? Don't you remember how painful it was? And don't you see where you're going? Don't you know what God is promising? How wonderful it's going to be that you're just going to move into the land and you won't have to do any farming or caretaking. You're just going to take over the cities and take over the land as if it was just going right along and God will protect you and no enemies will ever arise. And I'll even give you vacations along the way every seventh year. You won't have to do a bit of work at all. When you get to the 50th year, you're going to get two years off. And especially you'll be three whole years off of work. You've got all of that vacation line ahead. You've got all of the promises in front of you. It was horrible back here. There's so much ahead. 
How could you possibly complain for the days that you are in the wilderness? We read it and mock them. And I just want to spin all of it back on us. And say, how could we possibly complain? Though we be in the wilderness now. When we see what God has set us free from. And we see where we're going. How could we possibly desire evil? How could we possibly complain? We have left the slavery of sin. And we are on the way to the promised land. I'll end with this. The wilderness is exhausting. The wilderness is painful. The wilderness is just hard. It's hard. Nobody's saying this is easy. Nobody is saying this is pain free. God did not even promise the wilderness to be easy. He is even saying, I made it hard. (laughs) I made it difficult. It's with intention that God has made our time on earth to be challenging and painful. But it is with a purpose because it is only through the wilderness that we are able to enter the promised land. It is only through the wilderness that we will be humbled. It is only through the wilderness that our hearts will be revealed. It is only through the wilderness that we will see if we obey God. It is only through the wilderness that we will be transformed. It's only through the wilderness that we can truly see, do we depend upon God and what he says above all else? Or do we really think it's all about us and what we do? Only the wilderness can reveal it. And may we not desire evil. And may we not complain. As our time is short. On the way to the great promised land. There's hope in the wilderness. And the hope is what God is going to give us. When we come through to the other side. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father. Lord, truly just powerful words that you remind us about why we are here and what you are trying to accomplish in us. God, forgive us for how many times, how many times in our difficulty and in our pain and in our suffering that we desire evil, that we choose sin instead of choosing you. Forgive us for looking for comfort and consolation in other places but you. Forgive us for trying to dole our pain and find our joy in the things of this world rather than you. And forgive us for how many times we complain about our difficulty. Forgive us for complaining about how hard it is. And Lord, please help us to see that we need this. It doesn't feel like we need it. it Lord, it feels like we're, we're good. We're ready. We're, we're ready to go home. And help us to see that we need more refining and we need more, more transforming. We need more humility. We need to more see more of what's in our hearts. And so, uh, God, I pray that you would confront us with our sins. Confront us with our failures. And help us to make the changes we need to make 
so that we can be your people and enjoy the eternity that is promised to us. Help us to look forward to what lies ahead. Help us to never look back. And Lord, we are grateful that you have put great and precious promises before us. And finally, Lord, I pray that you would help us to trust in your word and not in our hands, not in our feet, not in our minds, but simply in you, for you have power over all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We'll sing an invitation song. We invite you to find hope in Jesus and in him alone. He is the place where you can find relief, where you can find comfort, where you can find lasting joy. And as God's offer to you that you would enjoy this this very day, turn away from your sins. Be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins and follow him faithfully. The time in the wilderness is tough, but there is great glory that lies ahead. Won't you come and